This is the John Oakley Show podcast. It is a great day for talk radio, the Wednesday edition with our pals Ernie Eves and Peggy Nash. And speaking of great days, I just noticed the forecast. Saturday, sunny, plus five. And here it is early January in Canada. And uh, this is turning out to be the new normal, perhaps, which, by the way, uh, is why you've got people like the mayor in Whistler, B.C., uh, suggesting to the big oil and gas producers out in Alberta, you should be paying a fair price, in other words, a tithe, because of the damage you're doing to the environment. Ergo, uh, the climate is heated up and we can't have snow on the eastern slopes or whatever, they feel they're suffering as a consequence, and then they extrapolate that these are the reasons that you've got all these uh, calamities visiting California with wildfires in the interior of B.C. and so on and so forth. Peggy Nash, as the progressive that you are, (laughs) do you think there's any merit to these municipalities trying to put the arm on uh, the oil and gas producers in Alberta specifically to pay up because of the damage they're doing to the environment? Well, their income depends on snow, right? You're talking Whistler. Yeah. So if they don't have snow, they don't make a lot of money. So you're going to blame the guys in the oil patch in well, Alberta? I guess the question is, who should pay? Who should pay for climate change? You talk to insurance companies, and they're paying out a fortune in claims for floods, for fires, for storms. Right. So where does the buck stop for all of this? Does it just come out of our tax dollars? Does it come out of our individual pockets, or is there a role globally for some of the most polluting corporations? Is that something we should be? You think you can about? logically tie that into, say, somebody who's extracting a resource from the ground in Alberta, next door in BC, uh, they have to pay some kind of a tithe uh, to these people because they don't have enough snow to accommodate Japanese tourists. I don't think you can tie a specific app, uh, oil company to a specific snowfall in Whistler. Right. But just like you can't necessarily tie a specific tobacco company to a specific cancer that someone gets, and yet the tobacco companies have been held Liable. Well, there's more of a direct for, link there. Yeah, there is. And I think there is, uh, you know, it's not the only cause by any means, but there is clearly some link between uh, oil and gas extraction and climate change. Now, is it the only one? Ooh. And can you, can you... Well, how far do you want to take that, though? I mean, there are people who are using their cars. Now, is that going to dial back to the upstream producer, the oil and gas companies in Alberta, per se? What about the people in Saudi Arabia who are shipping the stuff here to the East Coast? Mm-hmm. What are they paying? <laughs> if you ask too many questions, they'll have you killed. I have a question for the mayor of Whistler. Does he own a car? <laughs> well, if he does and it's run on oil or gasoline or diesel, um, he's part of the problem because 80% of the emissions come from individual vehicles, not from right. large plants. Yeah. So... If you're going to seriously look at dealing with this problem, A, you're going to have to deal with it worldwide because Canada, as we've said, as I've said before, could clean up every single emission it has tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, and it would barely register. We're a rounding error. On, on, on what's, we are, on we what's are. going on in the world. So unless you get the major polluters in the world, and I'm thinking United States, China, and India, to play this game, you're ready. <laughs> right. Now, the major players did Swimming come upstream. together in the the Paris 
climate agreement. Well, wait and, a minute. The states agreed. pulled out. Well, and but it's China not, doesn't have to adhere to anything until 2030, so that's just a pipe dream. But in fact, they are bringing in some renewable energy, not not nearly enough. And we're exporting more, coal. They're bringing. Peggy. I was going to say they're bringing more coal right. production <laughs> it's back. It's coming online. out of BC. <laughs> they build what the average of a coal-powered plant a week in yeah. China. So how is that helping the environment? Yeah, but you know, uh, I guess the thing is, I mean, you're not climate climate change deniers. Nobody's denying it. We're just being practical about it. So how do you address it? Uh-huh. And the leaders of the world got together and decided at a given point in time that globally we need to address it, and that and they all agreed that they would take measures to do that, well, including let's see, Canada. The big guys should set by uh, example, uh, and then we'll follow. But I don't want to be the leaders in any regard because I think we're being played for international patsies or fools. Hey, speaking of fools, <laughs> this guy was actually uh, one of my favorites back in the day. He actually filmed around town, but he passed at 76 from cancer, a long-term uh, fight with the DRAT disease. Uh, Super Dave Osborne, uh, otherwise known as Bob Einstein in real life. Uh, let's give a clip to bring back some memories. Couldn't believe this terrible, terrible fall, but you seem to be all right. Are you going to be all right? Why are you talking to me? I need an ambulance. <laughs> I got about a minute to live. I'm in pain here. Okay? There you go, Super Dave. After he jumped off the CN Tower. Uh, he actually did that. You recall that, don't you? Okay, Peggy. Uh, it was all just a, a setup, I guess. If you really watched closely, it looked like it was a stunt double or a dummy. <laughs> anyway, you know his brother's name was Albert Einstein, and he changed it to Albert Brooks because, seriously, his brother's uh, Albert Brooks, the very funny comedian. Uh, actually, you know, I thought he was uh, superior in terms of his comic talent, but uh, he had to change his name. But Bob Einstein, uh, God bless him, is... No longer with us, he shuffled off the mortal coil. I just thought we'd play that clip and uh, give you a few laughs. Here. I played golf with Super Dave once. Where? At Glen Abbey. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. <laughs> I happened to show up, my brother and I, this is years ago, and we there were only two of us, and they said, well, hey, we're going to set you up with these two guys over here. I didn't, quite frankly, even know who the hell Super Dave was, <laughs> but my brother did, and he said, well, that's Super Dave Osborne. <laughs> and it turned out to be he and his agent. And he couldn't have been a nicer guy to play golf with. He was actually a fairly good player, and he was very humble and never talked about himself. His agent did. His agent talked about him nonstop, but Super Dave himself just concentrated on playing golf and being a regular guy. But, you know, you have these stories. They are legion because as the premier and finance minister, no, you were exposed to a lot of people, in a nice way, I mean, uh, playing golf. <laughs> so Thank you for clarifying Well, that. you know, who else? Who else? Because I think you regaled me one time. You had played golf with uh, Clinton. I, I refused to play golf with Bill Clinton. You did? Yes, I was asked to play golf with Bill Clinton. Why'd you refuse? Because I... He was a lousy golfer. Well, a couple no, things. I don't, I don't want to get too personal about this. Clinton's uh, ability to manipulate and massage his scorecard is renowned. <laughs> if, 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 if you talk to any of his security people, which I had the advantage of doing once upon a time, he said he took at least one mulligan a hole. Wow. So when Clinton claimed that he actually broke 80 once, that really means that you had 18 <laughs> shots on the 79, and that's what he really shot. Mm. So, I mean, in terms of purists, they wouldn't allow Bill Clinton. I think, don't think to this day he's ever been allowed on Augusta National Golf Course. Really? Yes, because the board of directors there have made it quite clear that that man is never setting foot on our golf course. Um, 
I only know that because Jean Gretchen told me. Jean Gretchen, <laughs> when I was playing golf with him, which I did on several occasions, uh, he said that he actually was invited to go play Augusta National and asked if he could bring his friend. They said, well, who's your friend? He said, the President of the United States. And the message came back. You can tell your Prime Minister that he is welcome to play our golf course anytime he wants, but the current President of the United States of America will never set foot on this golf course. It's, he's a denigration to the sport of golf. Whoa! <laughs> and the current president? Was Bill Clinton. No, no, but the current president now? Donald does, Trump. Does he play there? He owns enough I golf no courses. I mean, yeah, he's got his own golf courses. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, maybe that doesn't say anything for, uh, they're not judging you based on character. They just want to know if you cheat. If you cheated <laughs> golf. And so Clinton was, that's that's a wild story, Ernie. I had no idea. It is is a Clinton story. a cheater? And he would say, well, it depends what your definition of is. is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, we know about that story. I never had sex with that woman. Right. Uh, and so finally, uh, I guess it behooves me to ask about uh, some other things, although that's a great story. I just uh, opened a can of worms there. I, you did. <laughs> I, well, was there anybody else? Francois Mitterrand. I mean, who, did, did you go bobsledding with Francois Mitterrand? Maybe no, no, I never had that. But point. you met the Queen, didn't you? On several occasions. I had lunch with the Queen probably three, four times, dinner with a couple times. You're in the wrong party, uh, exactly. frankly there, Peggy, because, I mean, until you guys attain power, this is never going to happen. <laughs> so you had you had lunch with the Queen. Yeah, she, she's a very delightful person, I must say, and I, I would have to say that if it wasn't for the current monarch, I don't know if the monarchy would still exist in Great Britain. She's extremely dutiful, loyal, thoroughly decent person. I mean, just a delight. They say she doesn't touch her food, though. It's all for show. Did she? Oh, she ate when I was <laughs> She actually had what you had. Are you going to finish that cake? Are you going to finish that cake? Uh, all right, we'll come back and close out, even though this is uh, a tough one to top. Ernie Eves uh, regaling us with memories in the halls of power. Uh, one more segment, Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.